Welcome to the New Life Podcast. We are a church in Milton Keynes that seeks to love God, love people, and make disciples of all nations. We're so glad you're here. You know, this morning we're continuing this series on the way. And it's been said a number of times over the past couple of months, the early Christians who, who literally followed in the footsteps of Jesus were collectively known as the way, but they didn't call themselves the way necessarily. They were, they were called the way because of how they acted, how they lived. They were named by what people saw in action. Let me ask you this. What would people call you? How would people label you? Because of your actions. I dare to think, I dread to think, I should say, what people will call me. We don't call ourselves the way, we call ourselves Christians or the church, but my challenge at this, the start of our time together today is, do we have this label as Christians because it's simply how we define ourselves? Or are we called Christians because of what people see as putting into action? Is your Christianness a tick box exercise or a lived reality that has tangible impact on your priorities and how you treat other people and how you spend your time and your money? Is, does your Christianness affect how you think in the renewing of your mind and how you act? So this morning we're focusing on worship. And I know not everyone here today would necessarily call this church home. You may be just visiting. But for those of you who do, I have two problems when I'm speaking about worship. There are some of you who are thinking the worship's just been done. You're going to tell us about what's just been done. We saw it. We get it. It's music and stuff. And that's too narrow. And there's others of you who, who do see worship as a lifestyle, but you've heard this kind of talk a million times before. So you're already switching off a little bit. You're already thinking about the inbox or how many likes you got for that post or whether the roast is burning or the yams. How does the Bible define worship? Well, in Romans 12, in the first couple of verses, we read, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me just say one little aside before I get into the next bit. There's a preacher who died, or a preacher and author who died last year called Tim Keller, Timothy Keller. If you haven't listened to his teaching, I would advise you, without being too prescriptive, do it. And he was saying 
that he has people coming to him as a church leader. He has people coming to him saying, how do I know if this decision in my life is the right decision to make? Should I feel a peace about it? Is there a sign I should see? What sign should I look for? Do you know what his answer was? Make a decision. Doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? What about God? What about waiting for stuff? What about prayer? Well, the thing is, this renewing of the mind that Romans talks about is talking about wisdom. God makes us as wise as he is. That is mind-boggling. The fact that some of you just sort of sat there looking at me, you can be as wise as God. That's the promise. So make a decision. Because the wisdom that comes from there is in here and in here. That's why this says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Make a decision. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's an aside. We're now back into the talk. In Amos, there's a book in the, in the Old Testament for fans of Emmerdale. It's not Amos who was in Emmerdale a long, long time ago. Most of the room I lost there. I'm not a fan of Emmerdale, just FYI. Not the target audience. But in, in the message paraphrase of the Bible, we read this. This gets a little uncomfortable in this version. I can't stand your religious meetings. This is God speaking, FYI. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and your goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. We run a public relations company. I have, I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. What is worship? That. What is worship? Offering our lives as a living sacrifice in order that we see justice and mercy. Where there isn't justice in our communities, the church should be. Where there isn't fairness in our communities, the church should be worshiping God. Right there. This may seem like an obvious place to start, but it's absolutely vital. All worship must start by taking our eyes off ourselves and placing our focus completely on him. Worship isn't about you. I'm getting a wee bit, I'm a slightly harsh tone, I understand that. Please take it as loving and I love you. But worship isn't about you. In fact, the only thing that Romans verse says is about us is that our lives are a sacrifice. And do you know what a sacrifice is? Something that dies. Something that is given up. Sacrifice recognizes the need for us to get out of the way because there's something, there's someone who's greater. Yes, in God's great mercy, in that process of worship, we are often healed. We are often hearing his voice. We are often drawn closer to the mighty creator, and we often get given peace and joy and a deep sense of love, but that is not the primary point of worship. The primary purpose of worship is to take our focus off ourselves, fully recognize that we are nothing without him, and that he and only he deserves our worship. In a selfie-obsessed, my truth, 
you do you society, this is absolutely countercultural. In a study a few years back, it found that 91% of Americans of life and the discovery of purpose could be found from within. So you could generate it up yourself. That could not be further from the truth. As beings, we were created for worship. Praise the Lord for the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all you angels. Praise Him, all you heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun, moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise you highest heavens, all you waters above the skies. What is that, by the way? Waters above the skies. Any idea? No. What, let, let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Our purpose is found in worship. Our identity is found in worship. Our peace is found in worship. Our joy is found in worship. His forgiveness is found in worship. His grace is found in worship. You're okay to respond if you want. His, His majesty is found in worship. His fatherhood is found in worship. Can I get an amen? amen? Right, for those of you who didn't say amen, I'd like to have a wee chat at the end. We have to sacrifice our egos and our dreams and our plans and our strengths and our hopes and our fears, our identity of the Creator. That is true and proper worship. And it must be a daily ritual. It cannot be a moment with a supernatural experiment with a supernatural force. The preacher Manly Beasley once said, A glimpse of God will save you. To gaze at him will sanctify you. A glimpse of God will save you. But if we gaze at him, we are sanctified. As we continually look to him, gaze at him, we are consumed by him, we'll be sanctified, our minds renewed, our hearts restored, our souls refreshed. So worship must not be about us, but about him. Let me tell you a story. When Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as, she was as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why waste that odu, whatever it was. I was going to say to toilette, but okay, toilette, let's say toilette. Why are you bothering this woman? She is, oh sorry, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? They just said that he could give the money to the poor. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you'll not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And Jesus wasn't wrong because I'm telling you today. This is a worship service with no instrument in sight. Now, before you hear that wrong, this worship is just as important. It's very important, vital. I, I connect with God in a way that I, I very rarely connect in any other ways when our band leads us in some worship. But this woman with this alabaster jar was performing a musicless worship service. That alabaster jar that this woman poured over Jesus' feet would have been worth about 55,000 pounds in today's money. When's the last time your worship and your sacrifice cost you that much? We're just going to put the giving link up at the back. 
just one tab on there for 55,000 pounds. <laughs> I'm not saying by emptying your bank account today you're going to experience worship more fully. And if anyone does tell you that, they're wrong. What I am saying is that I think we have devalued the importance and primacy of the cost of worship and following Jesus. It should mean that our priorities change. This woman's priorities changed. That perfume, that alabaster jar had probably been in her house for years. It was probably going to be her pension, for lack of a better word. Her priorities changed, though, when she met Jesus. It should mean your lifestyle is reflective of the one you follow. And it should mean that you look different to those around you. I've said this next bit many times from this stage, but I'm going to say it again. Following Jesus should make us look different. The way of the world is not working. Suicide levels are up. Marriage breakdowns are up. Child depression is up. Obesity is up. The pursuit of self and the pursuit of stuff is not working. Their injustices, rampant individualism has actually failed. The world doesn't need us to fit into a system that's failing them. The world needs a community, the world needs a community of worshippers who are not conforming to the way of the world but are willing to give everything for the way of Christ. The alabaster jar knew that she was walking into a room that was judging her. She knew that she was a sinful woman. She knew that she... But despite the shame of walking into that room, despite the cost of what she knew was in the jar, despite the awkwardness of boldly walking towards Jesus, and even the awkwardness of pouring it over his head while he's just lying there, she did it anyway. She was so... And show him how much she loved him, that she didn't care about the social stigma being thrown at her from various angles. As Christians, we care too much about what it might mean if we stand up amongst our peers. As worshipers of the way, we should stand out. We should stand out in our humility. We should stand out in our compassion. We should stand out in our pursuit of justice. We should stand out in our mercy and our grace for others. As that verse in Amos says, do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's all I want. How much is your worship of Jesus costing you right now? What are you? God wants it all. When Jesus was asked by one of the teachers of the law which of the commandments was the most important, he responded by saying, the most important one is this, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and all your strength. Which bit of that is left out? Nout, nothing, nada, the full kahuli. I think I just made that word up. I hope it doesn't mean something else in another language. That's why I'm so scared of using emojis nowadays. I don't know what they mean. Another conversation. <laughs> worshiping God is our most important commandment, and it's worshiping God with all our heart, all our strength, all our mind. I like that another way. It's worship, it's worship God with all our dreams, with all our purposes, all our identity, all our thinking, all our physicality. 
Every aspect of our life is aimed to honor the Father and highlight our close connection to him, just like Jesus. In John 8, 28, John's a book in the New Testament. It says this, so Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. And then again, further in that same book, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak with my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Everything that Jesus did was an act of worship to the Father. Everything he did was as a result of what the Father had taught him and his authority and because his Father was living in him and doing his work. To the Spirit living and working through us. In Psalm 51, Psalm 51 is one of my favorite Psalms because it recognizes how broken we are and how much we are in need of a Savior. And David writes, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Do you notice it wasn't, I'll open my lips. He goes on to say, you do not delight in sacrifice or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Our worship starts with humility, repentance. We need to get better at repentance, folks. I'm a broken man. I've done a lot of things that I regret in my life. And I'm often on my knees asking God for repentance, for grace, a deep understanding of who God is and how he sees us. And in that moment, our only response can be worship. When we understand how broken we are, how sinful we are, how selfish we are, how far we have fallen from grace, and when we understand how perfect God is, how powerful the creator is, how majestic the king is, and yet how loving he is, how gracious he is, how compassionate he is, how merciful he is, when we truly understand how, the great, how great the sacrifice was that Jesus sent, was sent to save us, to lose his son to death, when we really comprehend these truths, when our lips are opened, all we can do is praise. All we can do is worship. All we can do is lay down our worldly desires and follow him. A true worshiper is someone who continually points to Christ. If you're too worried about what people might think, if you point to Christ, think about this. They need Christ as much as you did. They are not living life in all its fullness until their need for a savior. They are never gonna be fully satisfied until they can too worship their king. Because that is who we have been created to be, worshipers. And worshipers without a knowledge of their Father God worship things that can never bring their fullness of identity or purpose. The author A.W. Tozer once said, without worship, we go about miserable. I love that. You, you often think, with these kind of giants of the faith, you often think they're gonna come out with something really deep, and with long words. But basically he's saying, if you don't have worship, you're miserable. I mean, he's not basically saying that. That's exactly what he's saying. I didn't really break that down. Your career is never going to give you purpose. 
Your bank account is never going to give you peace. Alcohol, gambling, porn, and drugs are never going to give you joy. People, even your family, will never fully give you the love you need. Meet Jesus. Only when we recognize God as our Father, only when we are filled with the Spirit of the living God, only then will our need to worship align with the one we need to worship. That place is where we find purpose and fulfillment. That's true. And you always, so if, if we focus on, on our Father, that gives us the perspective we need for everything else, actually, whether it's our, our earthly Father or whatever else, else it is. I'm going to ask you to stand up, if you don't mind. I can know I've asked you to do that already. I'm getting a bit bossy in my old age. I haven't even mentioned the rugby, but anyway, we'll talk about that another time. We'll talk about that another time. I feel, I feel like... Um, It feels like, I'm certainly in this boat, that although lots of us may have been Christians for a long time, some of you may have just become a Christian, some of you may not be Christians. Wherever you're at in the journey, I feel like some of us need to have a very honest conversation with ourselves today. And ask this simple question, have I actually offered my life as a living sacrifice? offer a living sacrifice by just putting a foot or a hand or part of your body. This is everything. And I feel like there are some of you who are holding things back. But today, God has said to you something that your response is that you want to be all in. Remind me what time this service is supposed to finish. <laughs> Quarter two. Okay. We, we don't do this very often, but I think we need to do it today. If, if that's you, I want you to come to the front and just start coming now. Don't, don't worry about, I've just said don't worry about what people outside the church think of you. So if you worry about what people inside the church think of you, this is community, this is family. But if you today know that you need to give your life again as a living sacrifice, that you have been holding some stuff back, that you're saying today, God, I'm all in, actually. I, I, I've tried to do bits of this myself. I've tried to, to hold back this bit because I'm ashamed of it, actually. I'm ashamed of this area of my life. Or I just don't know how to. But you know that you're not living in the fullness of life that Jesus died on the cross for. Today is the day things are going to change. So folks, if you don't mind just closing your eyes, just so that people can have the, the kind of privacy just to, to respond. I think it does need you stepping out today. It's not a magical thing, it's not a spiritual thing, but it is just a, a physical expression of you saying to God, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm ready to be all in today. 
Maybe if the prayer team could start coming to the front as well. If you're in the prayer team and you want to respond, don't start praying for someone. Just come and respond. We've got time. We don't need to rush this bit. So just, I think there's still some of you that, that you, you're kind of 50-50, but let me ask you this. What's the worst that's going to happen here? Jesus wants all of you. He doesn't want all of you to shame you. He doesn't want all of you to highlight your faults. He doesn't want all of you to put you somewhere you don't want to be. He wants all of you to give you everything that he has for you. The plans and the purposes he has for you. Maybe if some of the eldership maybe as well could just um, come and just give some folks some capacity for prayers here as well. You don't need to necessarily even ask people why they've come to the front. Let's just bless what God is doing. There's still time to come. Holy Spirit, I just ask God that you, you stir something in us here, God. there's a battle God we want to be in that battle we don't want to be on the sidelines we don't want to be in the grandstand we want to see fullness of life in our life we want to see fullness in life in the, in the life of those in our communities we want to see fullness of life in our country God, we don't believe in broken Britain. We believe in saved Britain, purposed Britain. Help us to be a cattle God. Forgive us, God, and families and our dreams and our expectations of life, God, above you. Today, God, we say you take that you are king. You take the throne in my heart. God, before we see a revival in the country, Lord, you need to do a revival in us. So, Lord, would you bring your revival to us? so that we can see your kingdom come. Our Father, who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We don't look for our monthly bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. If you'd like to connect with us or find out more about New Life Church, visit our website at newlifechurchmiltonkeens.org.